0: He becomes depressed. It literally talks about him being suicidal and he's praying that God would take his life. He goes from this huge victor to a wreck and he ends up hiding in a cave on Mount Horeb and God finds him there. And I just want that to sink into us. There is no cave that we can crawl into that God can't find us, I believe. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology.
1: Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Before we start the show, I have something to share with you. If you or someone close to you is suffering from a sense of anxiety or loneliness, the truth is, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness, affecting 40 million adults in the United States every year alone. And according to a recent study, more than 60% of Americans report feeling lonely, left out, poorly understood, and lacking companionship. This matters a lot because loneliness is stressful enough to raise all-cause mortality by up to 30%. So, I've written a free guide with 10 ways you can start to overcome anxiety and defeat your loneliness. Don't wait on positive emotions. Learn how to create them for yourself starting right now. You can grab the guide by heading over to drmartinfletcher.com. That's Dr. spelled D-R, hey marty hey matt good afternoon
0: good afternoon you said to me a couple days ago that you were pretty stressed out yeah and that maybe it was from too many commitments or whatever it was and i thought uh fed in really well to i felt what a nudge to share about and that was how do we live calmly today in the world Oh,
1: and that is a great topic because I'm up against it right mm. now. I mean, I'm feeling better today, but it's great. Actually, you brought up the topic first, and then that's when I um, spilled over to you.
0: Yeah. Told you I am stressed. Mm-hmm. You know, that happened to me two days ago when we did a recording on sadness, and I struggled for the rest of the day.
1: Really? Say more about that. What, what happened?
0: Oh, I just, I, I guess I got into a bit of a funk And had a staff meeting, I got mad at some people or some things that people said and I began feeling, I guess I was a lot more self-aware, maybe as a result of a conversation, Mm -hmm. too much so in that I got thin-skinned or things just were. I was feeling things more deeply than I need to in order to function in my job sometimes.
1: Or maybe, um, did it help just to stay with that till it passed, though? Uh, because when you said it, the irritability, I think, is usually a secondary emotion, right? That's an anger type emotion. It's usually when, when something gets in the way of our goal. You know, we want everything to go the way we want it to go, of course, right? I'm, I'm aiming at this. An obstacle comes in, and it could be disappointment, but oftentimes my go-to response is, I guess, anger or frustration.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Which kind of lends with our topic today. And the idea of calmness, and I think I I guess we should define it first. And we have not discussed this until just now. But the idea that I was thinking of calmness is not apathy. Calmness is not the house is on fire. You know what I mean? How cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. Right, right. Calmness has to do, in my mind, with a whole lot of things, but that there's a strength to it. There is a strength in the midst of chaos. You could still be calm. It's a little, I don't know if it's the same as peace, but it's pretty similar. And to me, Calmness can come from your exterior from an external source or circumstances. It can be a calm day where I have enough time to do everything that I say, and i 'm not living life in the margins, so to speak. you know when we when we plan our weeks, when we plan our days and we don't build in margin it's hard to remain calm.
1: You mentioned uh, peace because as I was thinking about this I, I can't really make the distinction about between peace and calm what is the difference what's the distinction
0: i think calm when i see somebody and i say wow they're really calm that's usually the word that i would go to i think it's kind of a a behavior attitude of a person versus i see someone and i say wow they're really peaceful Calm is just a more conversational word maybe for peace.
1: Yeah, but is is there a difference without a distinction there? Because I don't know the difference. I think in terms of phenomenology, which is, what is the experience of calmness because you can have the behavior of calmness and the person could be enraged and smiling through it and you don't really know but their blood pressures up and their heart rates up and they are thinking thoughts like they'd like to strangle me or something wow but so so the behavioral indications aren't always a surefire way to know but if I say look, hold your peace mm-hmm. why am I not saying hold calm hold calm
0: yeah I think I think it's just a a way that the word has been used in English, it tends to be stay calm. And usually that means that there's something going on that's not calm. And it's just, maybe it is another word for peace. One thing that you said that I want to back up on, I just read a quote that said, if your theology does not affect your actions and or your behavior, it's not good theology. And I know for me, not having more than a psych 101 class and some pastoral counseling classes the study of psychology i always picture that's just something that stays deep in your mind but you use the word phenomenology yes
1: yeah the experience
0: yeah how closely when you come in and see somebody are they one and the same phenomenology and psychology
1: well we're one person But we sort of divide things up in order to talk about them. You know, you're Matt completely right now. I could focus on your behavior and just describe that and think about that. Or with phenomenology, that's a a branch of philosophy slash psychology because there was psychology used to be philosophy. Mm -hmm. Um, So phenomenology is I want to know what the experience of. And that's what we do a lot on this podcast. I'm asking you, what's the experience of? So I want to know the experience of peace, not just what does it look like, right? Yeah. That's, that's sort of a materialist view. And that's important. I'm always looking at behavior when I'm in practice. And so are you when you're with someone, you mm-hmm. know, who's coming to you. But you do want to know what their experience is. Now, in the scriptures, the probably the most important line in scripture for me at the time that I accessed this whole thing was John 14, 27, where Christ says... Uh, peace I leave with you. My mm-hmm. my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now that resonated with me just profoundly enough mm-hmm. to get a tattoo of it on my back, right? That John 14, because I was like, this is life-changing for me because what I really, really wanted more than anything at that time in my life is peace. And that was the promise of peace, first of all. And then second to that, when he says, I do not give to you as the world gives, boy, was that really uh, important for me because I was chasing the worldly things. Mm-hmm. That was what was causing the problem.
0: Right? Wow. That was about six years ago. It was six and a half years ago.
1: Yeah. March, 2014. It was the 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 new me, the beginning of the new me. I'm still, as you know, right, a s- severe work in progress, <laughs> but I'm better than I was
0: right it's amazing how much we know and how much there is yet to know
1: so the world was showing me this and i was going right for it hook line and sinker it was preaching to me offering promising me Mm -hmm. hedonism peace through hedonism because i really do believe this after working with hundreds and hundreds of patients that when we get down to what not the means to the end, like I want that job or I want that relationship, I want this what they really want when we get to the end where they can't answer the next question of why. Peace. They want peace. But I don't know the difference in calm because we'll train calm. But I was shown hedonism. Now, does that bring you peace? No. It, for a while, cotton candy or sugar, whatever it is. one eats cotton candy, but sugar, ice cream, <laughs> everybody eats that. What does it do? It activates our parasympathetic nervous system, right? Mm-hmm. We go, mm, we calm down and yeah. our stress starts to melt away for a moment. Right. But it doesn't give lasting peace. That's how hedonism works. I don't care if it's sex or food or drugs mm-hmm. or
0: Sensationalism. whatever. Sensationalism. Mm-hmm. All Absolutely. the stuff that we watch, that we consume, that says this is going to be your fix.
1: Right on. Oh, and uh, hedonism, judgment, too. I think that we're pursuing peace through judgment. I really think that that's the, even if it's tacit knowledge, we think I just got to get that person out of office. Mm. Or I can't stand the... Raiders or whatever it is in the moment. You know what I mean? What you want is you want the sympathetic, which is the alarms. You want the alarms to go off. Now I can rest. Mm -hmm. Lions actually won. You know, I can rest. So hedonism, judgment, also division. If we can just get rid of that person, if I can just get that person out of my life. And then also just a lot of confusion, right? Which is the lies that are told. And, and if I can believe this lie, I'll settle down because my worldview is represented. That's what I was <clears> changing. And then when I heard the promise of peace, but I heard that I need to reject the world. If you want what I have, Christ says, you have to reject the worldly things because I don't give to you as the world
0: gives. I think that's one of the most difficult things is when Jesus says, anyone who wants to follow me must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And that's not easy for anybody. You can be the nicest grandma lady and realize you need Jesus in your life. And there's something that you're going to be called on to give up that will be every bit potentially as excruciating as somebody who's been a drug addict in prison and hurt people all along the way. They have just as much to give up. But on the external, we don't see that because certain things are acceptable and th- certain things aren't. And I think that if we could understand that that is a process that we are going through, I think that even that has a ring of truth to it. Mm-hmm. You look around and you see people who are so good at pointing out everybody else's faults. And it's usually online anymore, let's face it. And I just wonder about their motivation. Is it because they are after just the truth? Or are they after getting something off their chest? Or are they being driven by anger, which creates more anger?
1: Yeah, I'm so glad that you said that. Because what I'm finding is this. The truth is gentle. The truth is much better than the distortions that we have. And truth is peace. Christ said, what about truth? It will set us free. Free. Okay. And I, I find now that it's hard to get to the truth. You and I are working out, trying to get to the truth of what's this calm thing going on. What do we know about it? What don't we know about it? But, but once we get to it, I think our physiology calms down. Right. Okay. And, and take anxiety, for instance. Anxiety is the fear of something we think something probably will happen and it's going to be really bad and we don't think we can handle it or whatever. When that actual event happens, guess what I see anxious people do and how do they respond? Anxious people when the actual SH hits the fan, right? Guess what happens? They calm down because they are in the moment and that moment has truth. And yes, my roof is leaking now. I worried about it. It kept me up at night. I'm looking at it. I better get a bucket. They will start to calm down because this is reality.
0: Right, right. There's an old poem that says, "Oh, the torments and the griefs that we've endured, and the terrible things we've survived. But how much more from troubles that never arrived?"
1: That's that's well said. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, as far as the value of peace and why I'm beginning to believe that it's an end, mm-hmm. right? That that is the end, is in an actual peaceful moment, which I do think is joy, some level of joy. It's right. a low level but I think that it's still, we could call it that. I don't know anyone who is eager to change that emotion. We're comfortable in peace.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that we have to watch out though, because peace isn't just that really old commercial from like 30 years ago, Calgon bath bubbles, take me away. Peace doesn't take us away from every potential challenge but I think it lives with us in the midst of all of the challenges that we're going on. And I think that's the pathway perhaps to calm this.
1: I was going to say that I don't think that peace implies at all to me in action because I see people who are calm in the midst of a storm. So it, like you said, it's not apathy. It doesn't mean you care. It means you do care, but look at patience, for instance, I think patience involves calm and and, and peace. It's the attitude that we take while we wait for something, wait mm-hmm. for something to pass or wait to get something or whatever. But physiologically, because that's how um, I have to think about this. I want to know the qualities of, of what is calm. I don't make the distinction between peace and and it doesn't matter. The, the external things don't matter. You know what I mean? Right. It's not the world that disturbs us. It's how mm-hmm. we are spiritually in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody who at this moment is not calm and is so... Caught up in whatever's going on inside them or whatever is going on immediately around them. Because there's things that we face when my daughter found we found out she had melanoma on her Mm -hmm. leg. There was a weird sense of calm in that, but it didn't make the problem go away. How do you keep someone from being so wrapped up in what's going on that they can't take or create the space that they need? to find that place of calm or that place of peace.
1: Oh, I like that question. First of all, I think it's instructive if we think about what's the opposite. What are they experiencing that's not calm? What would you say, just so we can establish the range on this, what is the opposite of calm, would you say?
0: I would say you're a victim of your circumstances. Mm -hmm. I would say you're obsessed about immediate or foreseen dangers. I would say that fear is one of the opposites of calm. For some of us, busyness or what we're trying to cover up. So maybe it's a lack of boundaries in my schedule can make calm, me being calm, pretty hard to come by.
1: Right. All of those things suggest chaos or disorder. Yeah. Right. And, and I treat what? Disorders. I treat anxiety disorder, hmm. disorders and major depressive disorders. The thing about the truth and why I think it brings calm is there's order in it. Even if we don't like it, at least it's orderly and we want control and predictability. Mm-hmm. If we can't control the external we at least want internal control which you know acceptance for instance if that's what it is like let's say okay worrying about the test is far more anxiety provoking than actually getting the results of the test even mm-hmm. if the results of the test weren't what you wanted because at least there's some order to it now and I, and there's some predictability okay I will I can do this I can do something about this right so I do think that the ca- the chaos of today's world and what the world gives us because I mentioned confusion, remember? I said that's one of the things that the world yes. is, is keeping us off balance. That is what leads to whatever we're going to call the opposite of calm, a disturbance, a disturbance of peace.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What
1: would I tell them is this? We have to order our lives. Yeah. So I start with five stressors, right? When I see somebody. Because when they come in, that's what's wrong. Chaos. I don't know if I'm coming or going. Everything's out of order. Sleep is out of order. For so, you know, and so I look for sleep stress. Mm-hmm. My nutrition's out of order. That matters a lot on how we feel what we put into our bodies and what we don't put into our bodies. So I look for nutrition stress or disorder. The other thing is psychosocial stress. And that's, that means how am I relating to myself, thinking what thoughts have I have, racing, chaotic thoughts, disordered thoughts, I don't understand what's happening, that confusion, psycho, and then social. And this is, this is the ones that really gets to us, as you know, people.
0: <laughs> In the world people, it would be perfect if it weren't for people. Exactly. Manage would be easy if right. it weren't for the right. people.
1: Uh, and then I added another one recently because I, it was always there, but I'd never really spoken about it that much. It, and that's spiritual mm-hmm. stress, you know, and that is I don't have a worldview that allows me to relate to all of the suffering and death and um, turmoil and fighting in the world, you know, mm-hmm. hatred.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and so much of that is inside our own hearts.
1: For sure. For sure.
0: You know, and, and I think it just gets projected on everybody else, when when I'm the one that's going through something and a struggle inside myself, you know it's interesting because there's a way that God, I believe, speaks into that. When we look at the Christian worldview, actually Christian Judeo worldview, there is an account, and there's a there's a prophet of God, and this is you know 800 BC, and his name was Elijah, and prophets. Spoke God's truth. They weren't just crystal ball tellers. You know, they didn't just tell us about the future like a fortune teller, but prophets, it means more like telling the truth, hearing the cries in the night, and being able to speak those. It means seeing something from God's perspective. Imagine if we could see something from God's universal truth perspective of how our life is, of how we are. And I think that. There's so much going on there. This prophet Elijah was uh, living in the northern kingdom of Israel, and he was during the reign of a horrible, evil king, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. I mean, we still use the word Jezebel Mm -hmm. to mean an evil woman kind of thing. And literally, it starts on a mountaintop. There's a battle between Elijah and these 450 prophets of Baal. And there's fire from heaven, chanting, people cutting themselves, insults, being thrown back and forth between Elijah and all these other prophets. It's an amazing account. And in it, God comes through for Elijah in this incredible victory. And he ends up running ahead of the chariot of the evil king Ahab. And Queen Jezebel is now threatening Elijah with death. And Elijah is completely exhausted. And he's also completely freaking out. He becomes depressed. It literally talks about him being suicidal and he's praying that God would take his life. He goes from this huge victor to a wreck and he ends up hiding in a cave on Mount Horeb and God finds him there. And I just want that to sink into us. There is no cave that we can crawl into that God can't find us, I believe. And listen to how God comes to Elijah because I think a lot of us, we're looking for truth or we think we are and it's from First Kings chapter 19, and it says this, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then this great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. Sounds like 2020, doesn't it? Yes but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a still small voice. When Elijah heard it, he put his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then this voice says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And and in that moment, God basically restores Elijah and brings calm to him, tells him to go back, then tells him to anoint two new kings for Israel and Judah, And then tells him to anoint Elisha to succeed him as prophet. And God also tells him there's 7,000 true believers still in Israel. So many people are feeling like they're all alone. And our media is telling us you're all alone if you don't agree with everything that's being said, which who could? And that there's still people who have not bowed down to false gods. And it's just so powerful. I mean, when you think of this cave, and, and sometimes we think that's the only place I can find calm or peace is if I run away into a cave all by myself. My wife has a joke. She just wants to get sent to the hospital for two weeks so nobody will call her or visit mm-hmm. her and people will bring her three bad meals at a day mm-hmm. so here 's Elijah, which I think a lot of us can relate to passionate, depressed, exhausted how many of how many people do you know that you 've let this happen there 's this great time of high highs and there 's joy there 's victory, and you end up getting sick you 're depressed in the aftermath, and you 're looking for God in these big places and this big voice, you know we kind of have this caricature of god but but then get this God speaks, and when God passes by. God's not in the hurricane or the earthquake or the storm, but this still small voice, a whisper to reach you. And I mean, even, even if that's you this week when you were saying you got hit by it, if that's me this week, this could be this encounter. There's no cave that can prevent you, God from finding you. And But so many people, you look around and they're just spent. I got an email from a friend who said that she has been exhausted for the last four years mm-hmm. and just completely wiped out by some of the directions that she thinks that she sees going on. And so I think in this message for me, and when it comes to calm, for us to be aware of big sensationalism is a step that we need to watch out. It's everywhere and it's in everything, including in churches, you know, and God uses little things. Allow yourself to be open to the little things. God wants to soften Jonah's heart and he uses this worm and a gourd to, to get through to Jonah.
1: Hey, can I tell you something that um, yeah. stood out because I'm listening carefully to this? The first thing, because, you know, the prophet's in distress, mm-hmm. right? There's no, the first thing that God did in order to reach him was, you said, calm. He calmed him. He did it. And one way he calmed is by whispering to him. And you use words like still, right? To be still is to be calm. A storm, the calm after the storm, right? But he whispered to him to slow him down. And there were very important things that he was going to do, right? That God right. To do. But he, God knew that he needs to be calm when he does this. So much can be done with holding peace because the biggest mistakes we're gonna make is when we're scared and angry. As we're gonna say the worst things, do the worst things, make bad decisions. Our lower brain will take over the frontal lobe which we do all of our thinking. That really stood out to me, the fact that that was what he did, he calmed
0: him. Wow, the lower brain is the fight or flight
1: yeah right. that's our reptilian brain that you know because sometimes we need to you know hit the brakes hard fast and we can't think before that we don't want to think you don't have to have time to think and so what happens is boom I'm gonna lash out or take mm-hmm. quick action right or get out of the way or duck you know whatever it is
0: right yeah it's it's so powerful and and God's message to Elijah is what are you doing here I mean it's it's personal You know, God want I believe God wants to speak to every one of us personally. And I think that that as whether it's psychology or theology, wherever anybody is in their life, whatever level of stress they're dealing with, I have a hope as a shepherd of people, which is Mm -hmm. another word for pastor, Mm -hmm. that God's spirit, it's he's gonna make it personal to you. Like it's not someone needs to help the homeless or someone could build a women's shelter someplace. Or somebody needs to reach out to the 20-something next generation people. No, it's usually comes to me as like a nudge. You know, you could do that. You could be the one, you know. Oh, you know them. You could help them out. And it helps me to get outside myself, mm-hmm. which it's taking a deep breath. And and it, all of a sudden, I'm seeing things with the new eyes. And the subject, when God comes to you, it's always you. What are you doing here, Elijah? It's It's not what the messaging is of the world today. Somebody needs to do this and we all got to do that. And, you know, I think calm comes from being able to discern the messages that we're hearing. There's got to be a level of discernment. And I think that, you know, some people would say God is universal truth. Well, universal truth will usually come in a still small voice, Mm -hmm. not in the storm, not in the hurricane, not in the flood, not Mm -hmm. in the fire.
1: But not only that, Matt, let's say the ship's going down. Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to lead it's not going to be the hysterical person it's going to be the person that has composure cuz they can think they're going to or, or i think of clint eastwood for instance you know in some of the west the spaghetti westerns like even if he's being shot at you know he still hits a cigar a little bit takes it out of his mouth slowly he's composed cuz he there's a confidence in that he knows what's going to do what he's going to do and he knows he can get it done and so he's not disturbed in that way and he can hold his his calm in that
0: way <laughs> he's also read the script <laughs> And he knows yeah. he survives the gunfight. Yeah.
1: Well, you mean that's not real? That didn't really happen? Well, the other thing, because th- confidence is there's overlap between these words for me. Because when I first got into this whole thing, I didn't know anything. I knew less than I know now. So I had to go to people who, you know, we talked a lot and I would read a lot. And I, I began to realize that, you know, faith is confidence. Okay. Mm-hmm. Stay with me for a second, and that's a peaceful feeling, you know. I I was trying to understand where, where this peace came from that I had, you know, it came first, and I had to kind of deconstruct it like what's going on here. And that's what you and I were doing together a lot of. But I learned that like there's such confidence, peace, trust, faith, they all dovetail mm-hmm. together. And the feeling of confidence, if you think about because everybody has a physiology, right? And all of our emotions are physiologic events. When we talk, sometimes I I I hop right into that. Like, what's the physiology, so I can understand the experience of it, right? Confidence to me is like that lion walking through this jungle. He seems pretty relaxed most of the time, till he needs that energy, right? right and right. and that that is symbolizes confidence mm-hmm. to me. And then confidence in God is really great because you know somebody you can trust is in control. Now I don't have to control all this stuff because I, I control hardly anything really right. But, and then I can keep my peace. And then the peace is through faith. Does that make sense? Or did I did I bring those together in ways that you can understand?
0: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And the idea of going through the jungle, you know, whatever that means. Calmness does not mean weakness. Right. It usually means strength. Like you yes. talked about Clint Eastwood and you know what that mm-hmm. represented in the old movies. The other thing though, I think that it 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 quiets us, but then it does move us to be empowered, moves us to action, even if your world is very small right now, when you are calm and I believe God does make it personal, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Matt? What are you doing here marty and the the one other thing though that I would say is when we enable ourselves to be in that position, whether we're in a cave or running for our lives or in the midst of the chaos and the fight. And we allow ourselves to be quiet so that we can even hear the still small voice. There's gotta be some moments of quiet. A couple things that have happened for me. One is I've set my alarm early and gotten out of bed and read the Bible or a a book. I haven't gone to Facebook. I haven't gone to Instagram. I haven't gone to the news. I need to start there in quiet. And then the other thing is, though, knowing that that's going to move me to take this calmness. It, it's not just so I can have happy thoughts and go take a bubble bath. It's to move me to, to a, a purpose greater than myself, to, to give of myself to something greater than myself.
1: Oh, that's so important, man. I'm glad that you're saying that. Yeah. Because I think that we, we can't wait on this. We have to go get it, right? Mm -hmm. Which means we have to train it. One thing that happened to me last couple days, guess what I didn't do? I didn't do my morning disciplines. Everything was so fast. I had no calm. Time was moving too fast for me. I didn't do those. I think that we have to train this through the disciplines. We can't wait till Sunday. And to get a reset and then go back into the jungle or the world, whichever metaphor we're we're going to use for what's happening right now and into the chaos. We have to train peace. And I think that that's what these disciplines are. Reading the scriptures, memorizing them especially, that's really powerful. It's one thing to read them. It's another thing to take them in like food. Let them be a part of you where you can have them all the time, where they can energize you. I've been doing a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. I've been, um, I have some prayers that I say as soon as that feeling comes of stress. I saw something, thought of something, someone surprised me with something. I'll have some prayers. Mm-hmm. You know, God make speed to help us. Lord make haste to, or God make speed to save us. Lord make haste to help us. I'll just say that. And I have a couple other ones like a mantra. And then what happens is my attention shifts from me and my big problem to the Almighty. And right there, boom, there's a practice that I'm getting disciplined with that, that will put, move me into the proper direction.
0: Wow. You know, that's a great way maybe for us to end is to talk about this preparation and this ability to, to realize calmness and when we're not and how sometimes it feels like you retreat for a little bit, like Elijah mm-hmm. to this cave, yes. but God will meet you there, I believe. And, and we find this new balance. We find a quietness that enables us. And to get new information, Elijah got new information. He's not alone. He's got a job to do. He's supposed to anoint these new kings, that, that God is on the move beyond what we know in the midst of our stress. Hey, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you are God and we are not. Thank you, God, that you have invited us into your presence And Lord, most of the time that is not through earthquakes and big sensationalism. It's not through general generic statements, but it's very specific. It's personal to us, Lord, and we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that you use small things to reach us. You use quiet, you use stillness in the midst of chaos. It's not all one or all the other. And God, thank you that, that you love us so much that that we are the subject that that you are seeking to reach. That, that you are asking us, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Lord, that is such a powerful message that you would take the time to reach out for us in that. And Lord, help us not to, to delay, God. When we hear your message, Lord, that's the time you're inviting us to act. That's not when we start looking around for maybe you're going to speak to us. You have spoken to us in the midst of the calm. And I pray that that you would speak to us in that way today, Lord. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode,
1: get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to
0: subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.